Hey, welcome to Grimdark Battle Station, the podcast that takes sci-fi politics too seriously and has Himalayan labs full of clones. The topic of this week's episode is none other than Warhammer 40k's most iconic figure, the God Emperor of Mankind, the worst father for 40,000 years, the boy on the golden throne, the corpse emperor, etc, etc, Mr. Jimmy Space himself. We're going to unpack this ultimate Sigma male and his role in the creation of all things grimdark and far future. Let's get to it. Now, if you've listened to the podcast before, you know that we do a bit of house cleaning at the start of every episode. And if you haven't listened to the podcast, feel free to go back to the first few episodes where we did some really long-winded housekeeping. Suffice to say, we do our absolute best with the lore that is to hand, and we try and logically fill in any gaps or take a side in any controversies, substituting the logical or the historical or even academic explanation for why things should be a certain way or why the way the sci-fi franchise had them is good or bad. At its core, we understand that pretty much all sci-fi is really dumb and it's based on very, very basic concepts that might not really apply in the real world, but it's enough to get angry and rant in a podcast about. So for the purposes of Warhammer 40k, all we really need to know about is the fact that humanity does battle with demons and aliens several dozen centuries into our far future. We all live under a horrible theocratic regime that is the only thing keeping goat men from eating our hopes and dreams throughout an eternity of endless suffering, or giant terminator robots from molecularly disintegrating our skin, or orcs being orcs and playing soccer with our heads. Today, though, we get to talk about one character who helped bring this all about, the God Emperor of Mankind. If there is a protagonist in this universe, he is the protagonist. But who is Jimmy Space and where does he come from? Well, for a franchise that's been around for several decades, there are a couple of competing answers, but what we know for sure is that the Emperor was born on Earth sometime in the third or fourth millennium BC and he's sort of always been around. Now maybe he was born in Anatolia, modern day Turkey, to a regular family or the alternative theory is that all the shamans and magic users on earth came together and birthed their psychic powers into one individual. So he's a wandering synergy of the shamans of human history and these shamans have psychic powers, you know, foresight, telekinesis, can make people explode, can be big or small, travel fast, whatever you want. And that he has, at times, been directly involved in the progress of humanity and at times has sort of sat in the background. He's collected like-minded people, alienated them and lost them, and bear in mind that's a common theme in anybody's relationship with the Emperor. He has watched from the shadows, he has banished shadows, and he has created shadows himself. We know that he went on a journey of self-discovery to quote-unquote find himself, and it's during that 
time he got to understand the true nature of chaos and the dangers that humanity faced among the stars. What is interesting, though, is that the Emperor himself isn't responsible for guiding humanity to its peak of accomplishment. That happened several thousand years before he even became our ruler. During this time, there was an age called the Dark Age of Technology. And it's unclear, we probably can say that the Emperor and his friends were involved, but humanity took to the stars, conquering solar systems and inventing faster-than-light travel. A group of people known as the Men of Gold, who were possibly the Emperor and his friends, created a race of half-humans known as the Men of Stone, whose souls didn't really exist and who could not really be affected by demons or any of the evil powers that lurk in the immaterium the version of hell or heaven or emotional space that exists in our universe. These men of stone at some point created the men of iron. The men of iron were artificial intelligences and they did what all artificial intelligences seem to do and rebelled against humanity, causing a cataclysmic civil war amongst our entire galactic empire until it was brought to its knees with the final defeat of the Men of Iron. After that, technology was seen as something evil and something to be mistrusted and afraid. We went from the ability to colonize the stars, manufacture and create whatever machines we desired, to being what the books would call techno-barbarians, able to use, repair and understand rudimentary technology but not really able to progress as a species. This age was known as the Age of Strife. And it was at the tail end of this age that the Emperor appeared and united all of humanity under his banner. What is interesting, though, is something that happened before the Emperor came out of the woodwork and united humanity under his banner. And it's the first real step in the journey of understanding the deadbeat dad to end all deadbeat dads. Sometime in the 20th millennium, the year 20,004, say, the Emperor travelled with his friends to a planet called Moloch. On Moloch, the Emperor was able to enter the immaterium, that, that ocean of souls that creates demons out of all our emotions. And he had a chat with the three or four chaos gods, depending on your timeline and your own headcanon, and apparently he made a deal with them. And whatever deal he made with them, he came out with a portion of their power or enough power to engage in his master plan. So already we can see this guy's pretty badass. If he was a normal human with great powers or he was all the shamans of humanity synergized together, he went toe-to-toe with our worst nightmares and managed to treat with them or negotiate with them some sort of deal which would presuppose that they viewed him as some something of an equal and down the road you will see that this very much becomes the case. So he's powerful and he's a badass but does he have the stones to make the hard decisions to conquer humanity? Well absolutely he does because he creates a race of super soldiers known as the Thunder Warriors and he uses his Thunder Warriors to conquer planet Earth, and then he has them all 
executed on the eve of his final victory because they just weren't good enough to carry out his plan. This is going to be a very, very familiar pattern. The next crack at human perfection were the 20 Primarchs that the Emperor made from his own genetic material and some of the best science in the world. And naturally, through sabotage, warp, trickery, or something else, the Primarchs were scattered across the known universe to random planets that would just so happen to make them all grow up to fulfill the exact role that the Emperor had envisaged for them in their respective plans. The Emperor was pretty bummed about this, and all his friends, like his good buddy Malkador, were pretty much beside themselves and considered that the, the Primarchs were lost, but the Emperor could could feel their presence in the warp like any loving father. He could psychically find where his kids were when they were supposed to be home and they hadn't got home yet. And he set about creating thousands upon thousands of mini-me's for each Primarch, known as the Adeptus Astartes or the Space Marines, the most popular faction and the poster boys for the Games Workshop Warhammer 40k franchises. Mini Primarchs in hand, Jimmy Space set off to reunite the entire galaxy, not before he visited Mars, the industrial heartland of the old human empires, and sort of pretended to be their god, I guess, and uh, brought them into the Imperium as an equal partner, worshipping him as the Omnissiah, the machine god. And he was totally fine with this, despite the fact that he was a massive atheist. Another theme that will come back to bite him further down the road. Anyway, this demonstrably successful leader and his million-man army set off to find the missing Primarchs, to conquer humanity and, and bring them back together. He launched the Great Crusade. Alien enslavers, orc nemesises, wayward human colonies, all were brought to heal via diplomacy or warfare or abject terror with the sole goal of constructing one unified human empire. One nation under Jimmy. Now, for whatever reason, this appears to have not been in the bargain with the Chaos Gods. Or maybe it was. But suffice to say, that out of the 20 Primarchs that the Emperor found, uh, two are dead and mysteriously disappeared, and we don't really know what they did or what they were, but their records have been completely and permanently expunged. And of the remaining 18, half turned against the Emperor and half stayed loyal. A galaxy-spanning civil war was launched, led by the war master Horus, known as the Horus Heresy. Trillions died, culminating in a siege of holy terror, or Earth as we call it, where the Emperor managed to finally strike down Horus, the united champion of the Chaos Gods, but not before being mortally wounded himself. Afterwards, he was hooked up to a life support machine known as the Golden Throne, and for the next 10,000 odd years just sat in perpetual agony, both acting as a lighthouse to guide ships through the warp when they were using faster than light travel, and as a religious figurehead for the new human religion which was the worship of the Holy Emperor of Mankind. Again, he was a massive atheist and wouldn't have liked this, but, you know. Now, before we summarise what he's currently up to, we need to stop the timeline there for a minute and look at a few things he left out in this grand vision. First of all, he didn't tell his sons his end goal. He told them it was a great crusade to unite humanity. 
what it actually was, was a race against time to gather humanity under his banner so that he could take them in his loving arms and bring them into a safe space that was neither in our reality or within the warp, to his webway project. There, humanity would be safe from all demons and able to take its place as a truly psychic race under his guidance. Now, there were probably some good reasons why he couldn't share the entire plan with his sons who were leading his several million soldiers, possibly several billion soldiers across a burning galaxy. But he didn't tell his Primarchs about chaos, about how they might be corrupted by chaos. He didn't tell his most powerful psychic son, Magnus the Red, what Magnus's purpose was. He was going to be the lighthouse. He was going to help with the webway. Instead, what happened was Magnus's sons all got ganked and cursed, and his homeworld was burned, and Magnus became a bad guy. His favorite son, his war master Horus, had earlier heard the clarion call of chaos because he didn't know what it was, and it was just voices whispering in the dark that seemed to make sense, instead of understanding that these were just nice, comforting lies he was being told. Not to mention the fact that, you know, he let another one of his sons be in constant agony and rage, another one be an intentionally psychopathic killer, and he got super mad at another one because that one founded a religion based on worshipping the Emperor, because the Emperor is a mad big atheist. Oddly enough, that chaos worship of the Emperor is now the official state religion of the Imperium. He was a terrible, terrible, terrible father, and it is absolutely no surprise that half of his sons, or more, rebelled against his psychopathic nature because at the end that's really what the emperor of mankind is he is a incredibly highly functioning uh, psychic psychopath because buddy ticks all the boxes his behaviors conflict with social norms he disregards and violates the rights of others he has an inability to distinguish between right and wrong in his behavior difficulty showing remorse or empathy, a tendency to lie often, manipulates and hurts others, has recurring problems with legal systems, has a general disregard towards safety and responsibility, expresses anger and arrogance on a regular basis, lacks deep emotional connections, has a superficial charm about him, can be very aggressive, and gets very, very angry sometimes. He is quite literally Patrick Bateman in space. And now, he is taking his first steps to become the fifth god of chaos. He has well and truly joined the big boys club. This is an interesting lore departure, because for many, many years the emperor didn't really do things. And it's been quite controversial, but cards on the table, I very much enjoyed the direction they're taking the character in now. He used to just be quite literally a corpse withering away on an ancient machine that was keeping him barely alive and helping a beleaguered humanity try and stem the rot of their galaxy-spanning empire. And he still is that, but what he also is according to the new Dark Imperium book series, which takes place on the cusp of the 42nd millennium, is the anathema, the thing that the Chaos Gods hate and fear more than even each other. He is active in the warp again. He is sending his demons, his angels, if you will, empowering people, having prophets, and even bringing his son back from the dead to 1v1 an isolated chaos god. 
Now it's a huge, huge lore change. The things have been stable for almost three decades. But the evidence really is all there. The Emperor is a Chaos God. When you look at the Chaos Gods from Warhammer, they show good sides, they take in good human emotions, and they take in the naturally negative extreme versions of the emotions. The Changer God, the God Jeench, is the God of Knowledge, but it's also the God of Scheming. The God Slanesh is the God of Excelling, but also the God of Excess. Nurgle, the Plague God, is the God of Death, but also the God of Rebirth. He causes pain and suffering, but he takes away pain and suffering. Corn, the God of Mindless Violence, is also the God of Martial Pride and, and Striving. So what does that make Jimmy Space? Well, Jimmy Space on his golden throne, presiding over his theocracy of trillions of human souls, is the god of order and the god of justice, but he is also the god of authoritarian brutality and the necessary injustice and bureaucracy necessary to keep things happening. That's right, he is the warp god of the DMV. And he is a full-fledged player in the great game between the Chaos Gods himself now. And that's interesting because, according to the lore, we know he made a deal with them at Moloch. And according to the lore, we know that the Chaos Gods are semi-omniscient, semi-omnipotent, because we know if you were omniscient, you couldn't be omnipotent, and vice versa. And according to the lore, we know that the Emperor knew Horus would betray him. And according to the lore, we know that although it hurt him, he seems to have lived through this moment before. Now this could all be lies on the part of the Chaos Gods, and it could all just have just, you know, happened the way it happened, and the Emperor really did have a plan to uplift humanity psychically and take us all into the warp. Perhaps he offered to join the great game, and tried to buy himself enough time such that he could remove humanity from the warp. But, because he is a terrible father, that did not happen. And despite all of his plans, and if he went through it five or six dozen times and knows what was going to happen, he still didn't fix being a terrible father. Which is absolutely hilarious, because five or six sentences and one I love you son, or I'm proud of you son, could have prevented a galactic civil war. But Jimmy Space was too Sigma to show emotion or feelings, because emotions and feelings are gay. And that's why I love him as a character. He's just shitty. He's just terrible. He's like, you were really, really bad at this for someone who is supremely powerful. Like, it opens up so many possibilities, as well as requiring some awesome thing about it all being part of some ridiculous plan to explain it away. And those are the greatest type of characters, I think, in science fiction that you will ever find. It's like, I hate you because you're so dumb, or I hate you because you're so evil, or I hate you because you're so goody-two-shoes, and looking for the reason is is good fun. But it's also a trope, you know, the bad dad trope, or I suppose the super powerful being bearing the burden of all our futures trope. Men of vision like the God Emperor of Mankind, or the other God Emperor of Mankind, Leto II. Only they can see the true path, and uh, generally speaking, they always decide not to tell people that 
10% of the plan that might be the difference between success and failure. It's like a we won't stop for 15 minutes and look at the general idea of what we're doing trope. It's like I am big brain, I have a plan and I'm going to go through with it. And ironically, what he's left behind, that theocratic structure, reflects his personality perfectly despite the fact he didn't want to create it and it was his chaotic son Lorgar that did. The Imperium is incredibly bureaucratic. The Imperium is incredibly violent. It is single-minded in an ignorant purpose and will not explain itself because it doesn't need to explain itself because it is the only legitimate institution of power, much like the Emperor of Mankind was during the Great Crusade. And just like the Emperor of Mankind, the end of the Great Crusade, the Imperium of Man is just crumbling. And it's crumbling for want of a few kind words. Sure, the Civil War might have always happened, but if he'd been able to keep one or two more of his sons on side, maybe it would have been different. Because bear in mind, if he hadn't been mortally wounded by Horus, the Imperium would be perfectly fine. They'd probably be in the Webway right now. If Magnus had not turned, the Webway would probably be up and running. We'd all be sipping pina coladas in a world between worlds. You get big vibes off the golden path of Leo Atreides, the second in, in the Dune franchise, right? He, he sees what's going to happen for humanity and he just screws everything up such that we can exist and continue into the future. Never mind the fact that what we have to continue into the future as and the eventual end future that finds us is still pretty shitty too. He helps us survive. Not thrive or not go out the way we want to, but just merely survive. And the next most beautiful irony in this is that one of his sons is, is back alive. Robute Gilliman, the Primarch of the Ultramarines chapter, the Primarch of the number one poster boys of the poster boys of the franchise. And he is the logistician, the planner, the governor. He is the one that helps things function. And his job is to help this abomination of an empire persevere and try not to start his own civil war in the process because everybody thinks his father is a god and he hates his father and also doesn't think his father is a god. In fact, when he meets his father, he says something that is objectively heartbreaking and subjectively, when you know how ridiculous the franchise is, utterly hilarious. He says, why do I still live? What more do you want from me? I gave everything I had to you to them. Look what they've made of our dream. This bloated, rotting carcass of an empire is driven not by reason and hope, but by fear, hate, and ignorance. Better that we had all burned in the fires of Horace's ambition than live to see this. That's the fate of all terrible fathers with their spurned sons, whether it's Kylo Ren or whether it's Horace. If you are a pretty shitty absent father, it's going to come back and bite you. Or at the very least, when you are imbued with great powers and you can't see the forest for the trees and make the simplest bit of effort that could save the entire plan, it's very funny, it's very sad, and it's always very interesting to see just how out of control things can get because people are resolutely poor communicators. For a man who never wanted to be a god, he, he is one now. 
for a man who never wanted an empire built on superstition and fear, well that's what he has now. With Chaos Ascendant once more and the galaxy roughly split in two, the demons are afraid. They know the anathema, as they call him, once again making moves in the warp. He has obtained a hell of a lot of power, the ability to make people perpetual, that is to constantly bring them back to life. You have to assume he has the ability to feed on souls and emotions and the prayers of his followers. He still has sons out there. Lehman Russ, Dorn, the Khan, Johnson, Corvax. Not all of his Primarchs are dead. A lot of them are missing. And that really sets the stage for how the character moves forward, right? He has to be this god. He has to make these moves because of the fact that he would not take responsibility in a sensible way and do what needed to be done objectively, not just what he thought needed to be done. He's now going to have to both endure as this corpse emperor, keeping holy terror safe and lighting the Astronomicon, this lighthouse through the warp so his empire can still endure. And at the same time, he has to send out his demons. He has to revive his followers. He has to give them hope. He has to keep helping them fight the good fight. And he has a chance now. He has a chance to embrace his practical godhood and to treat his sons with a bit more respect or to send signals to try and repair the damage that has happened. But when Gilliman spoke to the Emperor, he wasn't speaking to one voice, he was speaking to thousands. He was speaking to an insane voice, a happy voice, a sad voice, an angry voice, a defeated voice, a victorious voice. The Emperor doesn't know what he is, and he's half dead, half a god, half a man, sitting in a chair, he's a lighthouse. He's loads of different things. But even now, 10,000 years after his absentee parenting caused the galaxy to erupt into flames, he set the stage for it to continue apace. I fundamentally believe that some of his sons will yet return. I think there are four chaos demon primarchs and we'll get four sort of emperor team primarchs to fight against them specifically because it would sell a shitload of models a shitload of cards and it would open up new stratagems and things for people to nerd out about on the tabletop game but also because it's a pretty narratively solid decision not only will we get to see his empire possibly start tearing itself apart again but we get to see four brothers or a couple of brothers maybe with different ideas have to wake up or reappear and witness the absolute cluster that happened because of how terrible they were at their jobs and how terrible their father was at his job and realize that the grim darkness of the far future was brought about by a lack of hugs and that is the funniest thing you can ever believe about a franchise where people are routinely lobotomized and turned into servitor robots for doing things as stupid as shoplifting. A galaxy in ashes because of quote-unquote toxic masculinity. And that's the end of this week's episode. You can let us know over on Reddit or Twitter at the underscore GDBS if you have a favorite deadbeat dad in sci-fi and why you love to hate them or hate to love them so much. Plus, if you'd like to send us any feedback, that's always welcome. And if you want to give us a rating on one of your podcast apps of choice, that would really help the podcast 
We'll catch you again in a couple of weeks' time with an episode dedicated to how the Rebel Alliance and Star Wars could have won the Galactic Civil War without even using a space wizard. Until then, remember to keep your hobbies fun, dumb, and absolutely Sigma male, because that's the whole point. <laughs> <laughs>